Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, this is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Mon. This morning on today's show, we're going to be talking about, amongst other things, Rainbow Warriors and... Yes, the thugs that are going out into the world today got nothing to do with the ship in New Zealand, but that's coming up. We know it's coming up because this is the delayed broadcast. And Mon, of course, is going to be talking about her weekly fluff, dog stories. And along with that, she's going to be talking about a great idea about how you can help out with the bushfire crisis in the United States, California right now, and what one Canadian couple is doing who had a holiday booked to that part of the world and had to change their plans and how they changed their plans, what they did with those plans. That and more is coming up on today's show. We know all of this because we're not prophets. We've already done the show. You're listening to The Delayed Broadcast. And because you're listening to The Delayed Broadcast, we're going to tell you how to listen to the live show. So if you would like to hear the live show, then go to faithfm.com.au or download the TuneIn app on faithfm.com.au, press play, download the TuneIn app, find Faith FM Australia, and listen to the live show anywhere in the world with a perfect signal. Of course, if you're having trouble with that, then you can give us a text on 0491 and we will endeavour to give you the best tech support that we can to get you connected to Faith FM Radio. So 1-800-324-843 is our number if you want to give us a call or text us on 0491 Of course, if you'd like to have the live show in your area, uh, give us a call. Give us a bit of a lobbying. But a lobbying never goes astray. We want to grow our live network right across the, the whole Faith FM network. Now, of course, also coming up in today's show, we're going to have a Bible study all about the second coming. We're going to find some fascinating facts in relationship to the second coming of Jesus. We're going to ask the question, which is the biggest theme of the New Testament, the grace of Jesus or the second coming of Jesus? And if the second coming of Jesus is bigger than the theme of grace, how much bigger could it be? We seem to hear a lot about one and very little about the other in our churches. We're going to ask the question, why? Our question of the day is one of the most interesting ones that we have had in a long time. We have a question that says, does the Bible really address the issue or speak against using drugs? Some people assume that drugs are a modern invention and they weren't really around back in the day. Well, stay tuned. We're going to find out and we're going to find out what does the Bible say. You're listening to Faith FM. We'll be back again right after this song. Truth is harder than a lie. The dark seems safer than the light. And everyone has a heart that loves to Nobody 
You were listening to Francesca Battistelli here on Faith FM with If We Are Honest. And Mon, what have we got for the first clue for our quiz? Okay, look, uh, I think this is a medium hard quiz this morning. Mm. So it's our breakfast Bible quiz. And it is uh, this morning I've chosen a Who Am I quiz. If you know the answer, just get your phone and call 1-800-FAITH-FM as quickly as you can. So, who am I? I said, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. Any idea who that is, Lyle? No. Oh, call quick. We will give you double prizes if you can figure it out before Lyle figures it out. He's got that wonderful, confused look on his face that I just love so much. The look on his face. But, you know. <laughs> I'm working on it. Working on it. Working on it. All right. So, what, we got? what are we talking about this morning, Mon? Okay. So, you know how we got those fires raging in California? Yes. I have decided I'm going to tell every single good story that comes out of this fire because this fire is so big and so bad and so catastrophic. I think we just need as good, good news, as much good news as we could possibly get our hands on. So, every single time I hear a hero story, <coughs> I'm going to share it. This is a, it's an interesting thing and it's, and it's something that, um, you know, has become a problem, just as big a problem in the States as what it is here. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, every couple of years we would um, we'd burn off. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things, you know, during winter or, or, or whatever, we'd burn off. And, of course, there'd be those farmers around the place that would do it at bad times of the year. It would become a fire and it would get out of control and that wouldn't be a great, a, a great thing. But it was, it was just a regular part of the, yeah, you know, the you cycle, something mm-hmm, you had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, of course, that's all become illegal now. And this is why we get such cat- catastrophic fires. You know, nobody's, nobody's game to light a fire anywhere, anytime or do any burning off. Uh, because it's it's either illegal or it's very hard to get a permit, and it's just it's just all too hard. And so we just let all of the um, undergrowth, all grow the up. undergrowth, mm-hmm. grow up. And of course, you know, our in, indigenous um, society back in the day used to burn off very very effectively, and, and fire was a major part of of how they managed the land. Yeah, and this is when they didn't even own private land in the way that we have that concept of private land. And you know, and now it's just completely messed up, and we 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 face these same challenges here in Australia in a major way. I'm a huge fan of burning off, and I I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories as to why it was banned. You know, to sort of um, weaken our 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 spot, you know, around the world wherever we are, to have this just this catastrophe always looming, mm-hmm. and um and you know whatever. But I do I do believe that we need to do burn off, even if there are teams creative of you know. Professionals, you know how, like in Switzerland and stuff, they have those professionals that that do the controlled avalanches so that the, the snow doesn't. Yeah, build exactly, up. exactly. Yeah, and they use like you know massive chunks of TNT, dynamite, whatever, to to blow up. That'd be a cool job. Yeah, I've seen a documentary on it. It's so much fun. There's this guy like jumps in a helicopter every morning and then throws out you know bundles. You get to fly of in a helicopter and you get to blow stuff. Yeah, up. yeah. You chuck out this TNT and logs. you get to create avalanches. Yeah, and this is like cool. a dream job. Yeah. Why don't I have this job? Well, you have to be super, super sciencey. You have to get it right. <laughs> yeah. So. I reckon I could throw hand grenades out of a helicopter just fine. <laughs> he, no problem. But he has like several PhDs. <laughs> You'd want him to if that's his job. And I believe that we should have um, teams that do this. I, I don't think that we went far enough with banning fire, fire lighting. I think we needed to not swing out that far. We needed to say, look, maybe not 
maybe not every Joe needs to light a fire, but he's a specialized team that can do back burning. Yeah, yeah, and and, and during you know, which and is during sort of July, like a middle maybe ground. A month of July, you're allowed to um, you know, do some 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 burning off around the place. Yeah, and, and yeah, some hazard reduction without that's having it. to jump through a million hoops. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's a bit bonkers. But um, you know, this fire in California is very sad. It's very tragic. Um, you know, people are losing their lives. So many homes have been lost. Um. But this is a this is a really cute, well, sweet story. Um, so there's a Canadian couple. They were actually supposed to be flying to California at this time. They were supposed to be taking a, uh, a vacation, a holiday in California, right in this area. They'd booked a, a, a cabin um, through Airbnb in the in the area called Paradise, and uh, of course, right now the cabin that they've um, booked has been totally burned down, so it doesn't exist anymore. Um, so instead of cancelling their flights, they actually said, "You know what? Let's roll up our sleeves and get helping." And they yep. still took yep. their flights. They found a they found a place to stay in Sacramento, and then every morning of this getaway holiday that they booked, they drove up to the to the region so they could help uh, wildfire victims. Before they actually left, <clears throat> they told their family and friends what they're going to be up to, and started collecting donations from their other Canadian you know peers. So they turned up with a bunch of money, gift cards. Um, they started handing out like gift vouchers, gift cards to the evacuees. Served up thousands of meal meals, filled up um, people's fuel tanks, and just offered help wherever they could. That is fantastic. So the money they were going to blow on this holiday, they just blew yep. it helping people and just and fundraised some more before they left. Like, it's so nice. And um, So if you're planning a holiday to the Sacramento area right now, somewhere in that particular region. Still go. Um, or California, go and go to the fire area and, and, and raise some money. Just put it out there. Put a, uh, a fundraiser thing up and say, hey, we have this holiday booked. We're going to California. And we're going to the Paradise area. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, let, absolutely. Let, let's get everybody jumping on this bandwagon. Everybody who, you know, California is a popular holiday destination, oh, particularly for Australians. Yeah, yeah. Jump on the bandwagon, guys. Create a GoFundMe. Yep. Get over there, roll up your sleeves and show the uh, the Americans yeah. what Australians can do in times exactly. of crisis. Exactly. Don't shy away. Don't shy away at all. But I mean, we're already pretty well received over there because our firefighters often go over to the States and help yeah. extinguish firefighters. And uh, they fire. often come over here too. That's right. So, And the, the <coughs> cute thing about this is because, you know, they're Canadian and there is like a little bit of, you know, contention between the Canadians and the Americans. Yes. So the, <laughs> this couple... Ca- did- Canada, Canada is, is America's New Zealand. Is <laughs> that's right. New Zealand. That's right. Um, and, she, you know, this couple, they were saying that... Um, it's nice to be able to, to help these people. And she said, you know, we always tell them, you know, you are our American neighbours and we love you. And she said that as a result, she's had more hugs from strangers than I have ever had in my entire life. That's an awesome story. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. yeah. There needs to be so much more of this in the world. Uh-huh. That's a picture of the couple there. They've got their little um, gas, uh, what do you call those, like... Um, yeah, yeah. Face masks on, little filters yep. on, so they don't get too much smoke inhalation. But yeah, very sweet. And I think so many people who you know would have cancelled that. I would have. I wouldn't have even thought. To be honest, I wouldn't even thought. Hey, let me still go and help. I would have thought. Oh, I guess I got to cancel my flight and fight for a refund or something. But that's you know that's really nice. Let me tell you some of the cool stories. Lyle. obviously have some time. You know what malaria is, right? Mm-hmm. So scientists have discovered they can use a really novel tool for the fight against malaria. Guess what it is. I have no idea. Puppy dogs. <laughs> oh, no. I'm serious. <laughs> He's so cute. So the the training sniffer Here dogs. Here comes Mon's weekly fluff. <laughs> the training sniffer dogs to successfully diagnose malaria infections simply by sniffing samples of socks worn briefly by children from a malaria endemic area of West Africa. Okay, so I thought that 
That's mind-blowing. When you start to have a fever, you would be like, oh, I've got malaria. But what you're saying is that what before you've got a fever or once you get a fever, this is how do you decide what kind of fever you have? You have the dog smell your socks? Well, yeah. I mean, I, the, putting, the, the idea is to place these dogs um, at ports of entry into countries, uh, so, which is going to help eliminate or come close to elimination um, of malaria. So I guess I don't want anyone to – because I think like, when you get malaria, you don't – immediately get sick like yeah, you have yeah, that little yeah, window. Yeah. yeah and that's when people come into other countries and you know start infecting other people so they can tell before you can tell no, no with malaria it's mosquitoes that infect other people but uh, yeah I yeah get but that's, that's yeah. What, yeah, from, the, from people. yeah yeah because yeah, yeah because you know once you have one malaria infected person in amongst other people we're going to do that mosquitoes got to do one little jump and you're done you gotta have the right kind of mosquito too that's true and um so the scientist says that people with malaria parasites generate distinct odors on their skin, and the study has found that dogs, uh, which of course have their incredible sensitive sense of smell, can be trained to detect these odors even when it's just on an article of clothing worn by an infected person, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean just, I mean just a sock. I would have thought they had to like stick their little noses right in the kid's armpit or something, but not just a sock. And um, and this is yeah, th- socks can get this is ongoing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I shouldn't. Be so surprised! I have two male housemates, um, <laughs> but this is uh, this is in collaboration with um, experts from the Medical Detection Dogs, uh, which is a charity that trains dog- dogs to detect a variety of, of issues, including yeah. cancer mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and, and people at risk of slipping into a diabetic coma. They can sniff, they can sense when, they can smell when mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. is about to slip into a diabetic coma. Isn't that incredible? What it ha- What is it they're smelling? Ooh, you smell like coma. Like what? <laughs> don't, don't <get> it. <laughs> it boggles my mind. But this is incredible. Um, this was, uh, you know, this is very sweet. It was, uh, it was supported by a grant from uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So good on the billionaires for helping out us with um, our dogs and our malaria. But uh, they're hoping that with this, with this, because it's to be honest, a dog is pretty cheap compared to most medical advances mm-hmm. and so they're hoping to have a whole team of these doggly wogglies um running around sniffing people everywhere and um you know going to schools in west africa and sniffing all the kids and making sure that everyone there is healthy and happy well there you go that's yeah. a, uh, a a great story right there and may it um may it increase i'd love to see dogs doing diagnosis i'd have a big diagnosed by a dog to be honest grow the doctor and it's a dog <laughs> <laughs> Say
Good morning and welcome back to the breakfast show with Lyle and Mon. You are listening to Faith FM. I have another clue for you for our quiz, which Lyle still hasn't figured out. Uh, so give us a call as soon as you can because the sooner you can get it, the sooner you can get double prizes. But as for now, we have our next clue is a Who Am I quiz. Clue number two. I am also known as Ruel. Ruel? Ruel? R-E-U-E-L. Real. Real. <laughs> Maybe we should just skip this clue. <laughs> this person has a double name, okay? <laughs> so give us a call if you know who that who that is and what their other name is. Real. 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 He's real. <laughs> really, he really real. real. He's no longer real. <laughs> his memory is real. <laughs> his memory is real. His, 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 his name in the Bible is real. Real. Do you know who it is? No. Hey, give us a call quick. It's sort of, it's, it's one of those things that's bouncing around in the corners of my brain, but it's, it's, it's not, not it's not, it's not hugely difficult, but the clues are a little bit obscure. Yeah. So yeah, I think. Uh, tend to things probably. The easier. next clue, you're going to get it straight away. Okay. In fact, the next three clues are dead giveaways. But you give us a call if you know the answer, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491-064-669. Okay, so in today's news, we have a fairly serious story that uh, we're covering, um, which actually um, sort of, it, it popped up yesterday. And it really comes out of the, um, the identity politics, which have now been weaponized. Uh, which is you know really something that has taken place since the vote on uh, same sex marriage last year mm-hmm. um, although it was becoming a very powerful movement even before then and so if we if we look back at the history of the you know, the whole lbgtqi etc debate mm-hmm. and let's say you go back to the 1950s we had uh, a society in which people who were a part of that community were you know often ostracized um, cut out of society uh, sometimes driven to suicide, um, often you know ostracized from church and from worship communities, and sort of pushed outside. And you know, in the extreme cases, you had gay bashing, you know that that whole scenario. Now, what we have taking place is the opposite of that. Swung so out the, of that the, extreme. The, the pendulum has swung. We now have the opposite, where we have a lot of uh, Christian people, or not so much Christian people, people of faith, people of faith who are. Um, terrified to come out in relationship to their position on, you know, same-sex marriage or these kinds of issues. Yeah. Uh, because they know that if they do come out, they are going to face, you know, bitter persecution. Um, and, you know, you sort of – you wonder where all of, the, all of the love and the tolerance that we were asked to – you know, and, and, and this message of love and tolerance was a good thing. It was a good thing to see, you know, the whole gay bashing. We don't want that. That's right. You know, we want to, and you can, you can, you know, a, a person of any any persuasion, any preference, whatever it might be, can pretty much walk into any church in Australia or any any you know work, place of worship in Australia and be loved and accepted, and you know, be made you know, you know to feel welcome, yeah. to feel welcome yeah. right there. In fact, I would say that they'll get more loved on than the average person because of who they are. Agreed. So you know, those tables have turned, but. The it has not been reciprocated by a I would say a major a minority of radical people who are, I'm terming rainbow warriors. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> well done, yeah, I've in your turn. I 
I appreciate that you coined a new term. It just it does drive me a little bit mental that they've taken the symbol of the rainbow and turned it into something that was not originally used for. In fact, I, I, I sometimes I think that we should start a campaign to take back the rainbow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but anyway, be that as it may, that's that's mm-hmm. the, that's the world in which we live today. And you know, I think that uh, as people of faith, there has been you know times in the past where when where, when we have hung our heads in shame, and rightfully so, at the way that we have treated these minority groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not because I've been guilty of it, or not because you've been guilty of it, but because you know. Corporately, collectively, this is not something we have dealt well with in the past. Correct, yes. Right now, the other side needs to hang their head in shame. That's right. Because the way they have weaponized this and they have basically become um, thugs. Yeah. You know, and and I think probably, you know, the, the, what's highlighted this uh, recently has uh, been the closure of White Magazine here in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a magazine I think has been around for about 13 years or so. And um, run it's by a, a Christian couple. It's a marriage magazine, a wedding magazine. Yeah, wedding magazine, mm-hmm. wedding magazine. Local wedding magazine. <laughs> and so, you know, these are some people here that, um, you know, they, they didn't oppose the, um, you know, the, the, the same-sex marriage movement in their magazine. They didn't mention it. They didn't campaign against it. They didn't publish anything against it. They didn't comment on it. Um, they didn't, didn't discriminate it amongst their employees and amongst those you know who were subcontracting to them and contributing to the magazine. Um, there was no discrimination whatsoever at all. But one of the contributors, uh, who was a photographer, asked the question. You know, after twelve months, they noticed that they hadn't, you know, they had not featured any same-sex couples. And she's like, "Are you planning to feature same-sex couples?" And there was a simple text message that came back, "Not at this time." Now you can't get more innocuous than that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you, if you want, that's like the, the the least offensive thing that any person could ever say, and yet it created a targeted attack where not only was the magazine attacked, but anybody who was advertising in that magazine was attacked and ostracized and black banned and uh, threatened with, you know, um, you know, closure and loss of business and all these kind of things. So advertisers started to pull back because, you know, they're in fear for their business. You know, they're not necessarily people of faith. They don't have a, uh, a horse in this race, so to speak. And to the point that this business closed. I think that's absolutely disgusting behavior. You know, for anyone to bully anyone over any issue to that point is just disgraceful. It doesn't matter where what is the, the spirit. Of, is. Where is the spirit of love and tolerance? Yeah, yeah. You know, completely gone out of the window. And I know that there are a lot of people amongst the LGBTQI community who are hanging their heads in shame that people would do things like this. Yeah. And I'm not targeting those people in any way, shape, or form. I'm targeting the thugs. Yeah. They can't preach that we need it, that everyone needs to treat them with love and tolerance and then turn around and stick it to people. Like, it's making me think of the, the I know this sounds crazy, but the genocide in Rwanda. You know, they had that, the Tutsis and the Hutus had that massive fight against each other. And, um, and I think it was the, the Hutus, it was the Hutus that wiped out the Tutsis were just about. And then after the genocide was over and the UN moved in, the government could only say to the victims, look, we know this will never go away, like what was happened, but the only thing we can ask you to do is to please forgive mm. and not seek revenge. Yeah. And just forgive. Since when did two wrongs ever make a right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. When, when did two wrongs ever make a right? That's right. You know, when is revenge ever going to solve anything? Revenge doesn't solve anything. It just shows that it just, you're, you're, it's you're just continuing the issue. Yeah. 
It, it's it, con- it's, it's, it's evidence of your brokenness. And the only thing about, <laughs> about taking these kind of actions is it's just going to perpetuate till we get to a point where, do you know what, these oppressed people are going to turn around and lash back and it's going to be back and forth and back and forth. And it creates polarization, it creates division in society, um, and it does nothing positive whatsoever at all. It's like, you know, this um, Darren Lemont Smith, you know, makes this comment as a wedding company that's paid for your advertising. We will no longer use your services and we'll ensure that all our affiliates look elsewhere for another publication that supports all of the community and hashtag unveil your values. What on earth is this person talking about? Yeah. Seriously? This is the kind of bullying that causes people to hide their values. This is why people are scared to come out today and 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 and, and state the position that they hold because they don't want to lose their business. LGBT, whatever it is, they need to understand that people are still entitled to their opinions and to live the yeah. life that they want. If they're being asked to have the right to live the life that they and I will oppose live, anybody yeah. who starts to bully the you know that community. Yeah. Absolutely, we need to have love and tolerance in our in, in our society. I'm absolutely opposed to yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. We've swung, but out it too goes far. both ways. Yeah, we've swung out too far, and we need to come back to the middle, and everything needs to be fair. This is Anders Svensson. One of the days that I look to the world for peace, look for a sense of
Christ to life I'm not all on my own I'm not all on my own Gone are those days Welcome back everybody, you're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia and joining us here in the studio we have the one and only Justin Lawman. Now Justin, you're a bit of a legend around these parts, you've been getting yourself into all kinds of strife on occasions and creating ripples all <laughs> over the place and uh, I'm just wondering what we should talk about today, we could uh, you know, head down some controversial paths or... How not to get into trouble, we could, I could give you good lessons on how we don't get into trouble. Okay. Just and don't get out of bed. Just don't ever do anything. Just don't try and change the world and you'll have a peaceful life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is, um, this, is, if this is lessons on how not to get into trouble. I mean, how recent is it that uh, you've actually put these lessons into practice, Justin? Because <laughs> I, I didn't say I practice bed. it. I just say that's what you've got to do. Uh, fantastic. Now, um, hey, let's, let's, let's go back and let's talk about your... Um, your journey of faith and, and, and where, where you come from, what God has done in your life. Uh, where, does that, where does that journey start? Uh, probably as a young child going to church uh, with my mum and dad and, and sisters. Uh, today it's just my mum and, and myself in, in the church, but my grandmother had a profound impact on me. And I say that to all those listening, if you have grandchildren or you know, modeling something was so powerful. And my grandmother was like, she just had such faith in God. When she started to pray, you ducked because <laughs> something was going to happen if my ma was praying. And she prayed. She was a prayer warrior. And I'd be out drinking as a teenager and partying with my mates. And you get to two and three in the morning. And I just think of my grandmother and what she would think of me. And I, I don't know, it messed me up. And I knew she was praying for me. Yeah. And um, it was really that woman and what she was and what she stood for and her straight dinky-die faith that got to me. It got to me. How old were you? When I got converted, I was 19. Uh, I was drunk with my mates on the Gold Coast again. You know, I... I I never really wanted to lead the church. I always, because of the influence as a child of learning the Bible, going to Sabbath school, going to church, I, I, I always believed it, but I didn't know how to practice it and the world just lured me away over time and I didn't go to a Christian school. I didn't really have many friends that were committed Christians and I just hung out with all my mates and and sometimes led them in in bad ways. So I was drunk on the Gold Coast surface paradise one night and uh, mocking these girls that were giving out uh, little books and I went over to mock them and I said, what religion are you girls? And they said, we're Seventh-day Adventists. And I was very drunk. So I said, oh, the Remnant Church. And they said, how did you know that? I said, oh, you'd be surprised what I know, being very smug. And they handed me the little book, Steps to Christ, had a picture of Jesus knocking on a door, E.G. White down the bottom, and it messed me up. And I've never drunk alcohol again from that day. Praise God. From the day I got that little book in my hand. Had you, had you read that book before? 
parts of it. Yeah, did you, I re- did you read the copy they gave you? I was too drunk. <laughs> I don't even know where it is. I think actually I went back about 10 minutes afterwards. I went down to McDonald's and I'm holding this book and I was absolutely smashed under conviction, not alcohol. I was under conviction of the spirit. I was lost and I knew it. And I went back down to these girls. I don't know who they are, not to this day, and passed them the book back and said, girls, this is a good book. Give it to someone who needs it. It's too late for me. Mm. And walked away from them. And they were calling me saying, it's never too late. They were trying to minister me. And I was, my mates grabbed me and just dragged me down the street and they never saw me again. But little did they know that one event was the straw that broke the camel's back. And uh, that was a defining point in my life. Probably. That's that's a powerful experience right there. Now, from there, it, your, your journey takes you down the path of ministry. How do you go from being a drunk 19-year-old on the streets <laughs> of uh, the Gold Coast um, to being involved in full-time ministry, about a life of full-time ministry? It's funny. I, from that experience, I went from, you know, I, I tolerated church to absolutely loving it. And I'd go to business meetings as a 19-year-old. I remember turning up there and all the people looking at me thinking, what is he doing here? But I just all of a sudden fell in love with anything that had to do with God and Jesus and the Bible. And I went to a prayer meeting with some people that were older and some of them were a bit extreme, but they knew their Bibles. And I mean, I got into the Bible and I loved the scriptures and I fell in love and I learned really quickly because of these experienced people around me, learning, learning, learning. I was at this the average age of that prayer meeting was pretty high and I was 19, <laughs> but I learned so much. And then the the pastor, this was at Landsborough Church on the Sunshine Coast, and the pastor, Jeff Donovan, asked me to preach once. It was 1992. It was January 11. He was desperate because <laughs> he was away on holidays. He needed someone to preach. And I said, he asked me, and I just said, yes. And like I couldn't even read the mission story. So I, 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 my voice would crack. And that day, God was with me and just it just went off. And something came out that had never been there before. It's how, old were you, how, old you, how old were you at this stage? This was probably a, a year later or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something. What were you doing with your life at the time? I worked for a civil engineering company, Paveways, on the Sunshine Coast. So I built sewage and stormwater system for big subdivisions. Highways, we'd do the big uh, pipes and stuff. So I was mainly in that space, and I really enjoyed that job. And um, But God was calling me to something different, and I got a sense I was supposed to be a pastor. And it was gnawing. After that day, I preached. Everyone pestered me, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to, so I made a test with God. I said, God, if I'm supposed to, Make this, this, and this happen, and it all happened. And I've never doubted I've been called to it from that day. And the church sort of acknowledged that through ordination and da 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 da, and um, fruit. So I, I, you know, that's just what I'm called to do. Sometimes I wish I wasn't, <laughs> but I am. So I keep doing it. Amen. Now your uh, your 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 life in ministry has given you many adventures and taken you to different parts of the world. Sure has. Yeah. Um, you lived in the states for a while. I did three years in Southern California conference. Uh, working with the conference and, and Pastor John Carter, the Carter Report. We travelled the world doing mission things in India and Russia and all sorts of places. What got you started in public evangelism? Oh, I love it. I just can't help but tell people. It's not that I think I'm great at it or anything. I just can't help it. 
it's it's a bit addictive. Um, soul winning is a disease that you catch, <laughs> and if you yourself got converted. I, I just love nothing more than seeing someone come to faith. Well, so here's what you need to do, Justin. You need to uh, team up with us here at Faith FM, start producing a, uh, a radio show out of uh, Canberra Church where you're pastoring at the moment, and you'll get to talk to more people about Jesus every day than anyone else in Australia. Well, that's why you're here, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used can, to do radio you can, you can in LA. On, you I can was, come on after me. Yeah, I had a radio program in Los Angeles, KKLA. I was on TV over there as well, and I've done all that stuff, and... It's really important. It makes an impact on people for years and years to come. You never know. I've been so influenced by things I've heard. So, yeah, it's a good thing. At the moment, you go through different phases and stuff, and at the moment I'm really knuckling down on building team and and becoming a a very effective at winning people as a a church. And uh, you can go and read books about it all that stuff, but I, I'd actually rather just do it and learn yeah, again. Yep. And I, I had totally. 10 years out of the local church. I was in administration. So to go back now to the local church was a big adjustment and a relearning, and I am actually do things differently now to what I probably ever did before too. Okay, so let me let me ask you about that 10 years in administration because while you are doing that 10 years in admin, that would have been the time period when the breakfast show actually got started, right? Amen, brother. And how did that take place? Oh, it's good people. It's about team, and that's one thing I really learned in the office. We had, and I think you guys still have, an amazing team, and we'd just bring in people, and Christian Copacciano in, in Melbourne was – you know, Christian and I, he was a he was a, uh, a pre-turn with me in, in Port Macquarie. I know Christian really well. And then Nick Coutte, his friend I employed, and and we, let's do some radio. Let's get this going. Let's buy up every station we can. Let's just, anything you can do to tell the world about Jesus, I'm into it. Yep. If it's involving soul winning, I support it. If it's not, uh, you're probably not going to see me there. Yep. And this is Soul Winning 101. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the most effective means possible. So we built a studio in the office. And I had a, a treasurer beside me and a general secretary, Paul and Russell, who are just sold on mission. So we got stuff done and, and we went off. We built a, a Bible school with, with Dave Ashrick and, and Matt Parr and, and Ty Gibson, the Arise guys. We've had all those Bible workers. We did a, a lot of that. Let's get this job done. That was the attitude. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay, tell me about uh, Red Dog Productions. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I've always had a vision to uh, the great prophecies of the Bible, which are what messed me up as a Bible student when I'm just coming into church. They messed me up. Because you, you can pretend you're an atheist or agnostic or don't care and then you study these prophecies and they're overwhelming. You, you can't tell me God didn't speak through the Bible. I can show you he did. Absolutely. But in, in the wider society and the people listening to that, the, the knowledge of it is almost, we've gone backwards. Their, their knowledge is shocking. It's non-existent. And they're the most profound things ever written, ever given to man. So I've always had this burden since 2010. I was working with the Vincent boys. Let's make... A documentary, no pull, no punches, smack people up the side of the head. This is what the Bible says in prophecy. Not a preacher, but a documentary. We can put it in any language we like. It can go anywhere in the world. But we have failed the world if we haven't told them. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I'll try and do it as a preacher. You know, you, you'll be doing it better than me, Lyle. <laughs> no, so we, 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 all, we try and tell people, we try and teach this. And you know when you well, teach it's, it. It's, it's kind of frustrating with Bible prophecy because, as you say, you can show people categorically that God exists and that God is real and that God cares for you and is interested in you, in you as an individual. But who's preaching about Bible prophecy these days? Yeah. I mean, you can go to church for your whole life and a third of the Bible is made of a Bible prophecy. Nobody ever touches it. The devil hates it and he's, he's cooked up so many ways within and without of the church to to make people ignorant. So I just just cut through all that. Let's make compelling documentaries and let's get them on TV. Okay, so we've got Daniel 2 and it's fantastic. It is uh, good. Kingdom Come, we've had yeah. that. Uh, we've been promoting that here on Faith FM quite widely and we'll continue to do so. When do we get Daniel 7? Yeah, we're, we're in the phase right now that they've made a script and we want to do it. That was the one. Oh, I'd do that first. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, me too. like smack people. <laughs> show them who the Antichrist, who who is the Antichrist, and everything that's. We're not waiting. He's here. He's that's doing right. his work. Absolutely, it's all happening. And what are we doing? Like, uh, just we push your foot around and try and be singing kumbaya. Yeah. <laughs> like, fair We've got to tell the world, and we have to do it now. I don't. I don't care for. I always get my history. biggest attendances at my public evangelism when I tell people I'm going to preach about the Antichrist and I'm going to name names. You know, people turn up for that kind of stuff. Contro- controversy is, you look at YouTube, you only watch stuff that's in your face. That's right. It, 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 the worst sin in the world today is to bore people. <laughs> and and the, these prophecies are not boring. They are so controversial, they'll ban you from teaching them in public. Absolutely. If you teach this in all its truth through just what it says, you'll be run out of town. And, and there's a lot of countries in the world where you can go to jail for it. Yep. Yep, we were, we were run out of India in the middle of the night uh, working with Carter there. They, they got him on a plane, gone. After he taught Daniel 7, they shut down 30,000 people attending the mission. I was there. They shut him down, and then we were doing satellite sites. They shut us down, and we were driven out of the country in the middle of the night. And it happened after he preached on Daniel chapter 7. Yeah, see, Daniel chapter 7, Revelation chapter 13 and 14, these are central chapters in Bible prophecy. And they are, you know, they are being fulfilled. This is the thing. They are being fulfilled in right now. People, people can see it happening. They know it's happening. That's what gets people upset, you know. Pastor Carter angered the beast that night. Mm-hmm. And they got us driven out of the city. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it. I know it. And so... How am I? How am I failing? I'm failing my fellow Australians if I haven't told them what they do with it. That is between them and God. But yeah. I've got to tell them. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I can't wait for uh, Red Dog Productions to bring out Daniel Seven, and then I guess uh, we've got uh, Eight and Nine after that. I want to do um, Seven. Uh, probably go straight to Nine, mm-hmm. and then go to da- to Revelation twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. But you, we're we're dependent. We're not for profit. We're we're dependent on support and everything. But God will God will bless that and be in that. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic stuff. Now uh, you've been down here at uh, Grey Nomads and been doing a series of meetings on the Book of Romans. Give us a. We, we've been putting the the full presentation to air, but not everybody has the time to sit down and listen to the full presentation. Give us a in a nutshell, um, chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight. Summarize each chapter for us in a sentence or two. Okay, chapter 5 is how we're saved, till we're justified by nothing we do. We're declared innocent as if we've never sinned. Chapter 6 is what then do we do about how we live? How are we going to live now that we've been saved? And we, we've been identified in Jesus through baptism and faith, and, and we're now, we're his. We follow him wherever he goes. 
Chapter 7, we have to deal with the law, and Paul, Paul deals with the purpose of the great Ten Commandment law of the Old Testament. It's really to point us to Jesus that we need a Savior. We can't just say, oh, yeah, sin doesn't matter. It matters. It put Jesus on a cross. But chapter 8 is the power of the Holy Spirit. If, if you're listening today and you, you have a life that you know needs changing, you don't know how to change, that's the Holy Spirit. He changes us. And, and chapter 8, Paul ends his argument there by quoting in that chapter, he refers to the Holy Spirit more than any other chapter in the entire Bible. And that's an indication to all of us as Christians how desperately we need a devotional life, we need a prayer life and a Bible reading life so we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining us here on Faith FM and thank you for the work that you're doing and uh, particularly the presentations that we've been having here at Grey Nomads. You're listening to Faith FM and we will be back again right after this short break. Because he lives, I can face Than done. 
but there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au.
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.